Let's pray as we hear from God's Word. Heavenly Father, we come. We come to hear from you. These words proclaimed and then written 3,000 years ago. Speak to us now. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will speak, that we might understand and not stumble. And Father, we ask for your help. I ask for your help as we hear from you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Safety, thrive, grow. Our world would be a different place if it were safe. A place where people could thrive. A place where people could put roots and grow. You may have seen in the news a Sri Lankan family, asylum seekers dreaming of living in safety in Biloela, away from the threat of terrorists. A place where their daughters might thrive, where they might put down their roots and grow up. Last week I met a woman leaving behind a situation of domestic violence running away from a man and a place where she should have been safe, where she and her kids could thrive and grow. And globally, the cases of domestic violence are up. Uh, one helpline reports an 11% increase. Another, uh, particularly for men, reports a 26% increase. In Uganda, I read of an incident where a Muslim employer sent a hitman to kill one of his employees who wouldn't convert to Islam. In another case, Muslim relatives burned down the house of a man who converted to Christianity. And Uganda is not an Islamic country. There are religious freedoms and freedom for conversion. But where do they find safety? place to thrive, a place to grow and live. In Western society, we see the rise of hate speech, cancel culture, gender and identity politics, all in the name of safety, providing a place to thrive and grow. But I don't know what, what you see, but I see people who are afraid, who are harassed and who are helpless. And even among Christians who know the love of God, the lives of Satan continue to sow doubt in their mind whether or not they're good enough for God. And yet we have the gospel that sets people free from slavery to sin, that adopts us into the family of God. A place in Jesus where we can be safe, where we can thrive, where we can grow in faith and life. And the church was born out of this desire. This church was born to give people a place where they could be safe, where they could thrive and where they could grow in their faith and life. 
And many of you are here because of that. Because it is a safe place. A safe place in your world. A place to thrive and a place to grow in faith and in life. Now it's not perfect. We've made mistakes along the way. But I hope the desire remains the same. To be a safe place, to be a place to thrive, to grow together in faith and life. And it's not just for the kids, it's not just for us, but for all people. For the world around us, our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues at school or work. And I've thrown the challenge out that we might aim to see 40 people reached with the gospel. To be brought into a place, into a family where they can be safe where they can thrive, where they can grow. Grow in Jesus, in community, and in life. As we come to the end of Hosea, we're reminded that we're not the ones who do that, though. We're not the ones who provide the safety. We're not the ones who provide a place where people can thrive and grow. And as we see in our chapter, in our passage today, we will see that it is God. It is God who does that. And it begins with repentance. Repentance from idolatry and misplaced dependence. We see the redeeming love of God and His grace. And we see that the pursuit of wisdom brings life. We see that it is God who will bring people to a place of safety where they can thrive and grow. Now if you've been with us through Hosea, you've seen that it's just been flooded with judgment. And if we weren't careful, you might think that that's all there is in Hosea. A whole lot of judgment with very little of anything else. The judgment of exile will come following But all along the way, we've caught this glimpse, just a little glimpse, that judgment isn't the final word. And as we come to the end of Hosea, the final word isn't judgment, but the redeeming love of God. Love for people who really don't know Him. We see the Gospel. We see the Gospel proclaimed about a God who lovingly pursues people To redeem them for himself. Not an angry, vengeful God. But a redeeming, loving one. And so we come full circle. If you were with us at the beginning, we see Hosea marry an adulterous woman. And here we see the redeeming love of God choose an idolatrous people for himself. And despite their continued rejection, He shows mercy. He shows them love and He invites them to return. He invites them to turn away from their idols and misplaced dependence on other nations. And not only does He invite them, but He shows them His grace, His favor, by enabling them to return to Him, by opening the door to them, to a place of safety 
to a place where they will thrive and grow with him by their side. And that invitation is here today for each one of us. And regardless of where you stand with God, that invitation of mercy, grace, and love still stands. And we've seen throughout Hosea, God reaches out to all of his creation, to every person made in his image, to return home. To come home. Where they might find forgiveness, redemption, safety, and a place to thrive and grow in this life and the next. And so that's where we begin. With an invitation. Verse 1, return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Parents teach their children to take ownership when there is wrongdoing or misdeed. When they apologize to someone to take ownership of what's gone wrong. And Hosea invites the hearer, he invites the Israelites, he invites us to recognize the fault in our relationship with God in this broken relationship. When a parent teaches a child to apologize, they don't just say, sorry. No, there's more to that. There's a process. In verse 2, take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to Him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our hands have made for you. In you, the fatherless find compassion. The Israelites are encouraged to recognize their sin, their dependence on political alliances and idols rather than trusting the Lord himself. But also that God forgives sin, that he shows grace, that he shows compassion to each who come to him. And the gospel demonstrates this powerfully through the death of Jesus, who sheds his blood for the forgiveness of sin. We see the grace and compassion of God revealed in the death and sacrifice of Jesus. We teach kids not to just say sorry, but what you're sorry for. I'm sorry because I did this. Israel is sorry for dependence on foreign political alliances and idols made by their hands. And as you confess your sin to God, name them. What are you actually confessing? Don't simply say, God forgive me, for I have sinned. No, what is the sin? And confess that. Now, you may be like the psalmist in chapter 19, where he not only names his sin, but identifies there are hidden sins that he doesn't see. Confess and identify sin. But what about, what might they be? I've shared Tim Keller's quote on this before. What is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. 
What are the idols? What are the sins that you need to confess? Well, there are the obvious ones. There's money, sex, and power. But there are more subtle ones like family or friends, careers or homes, good grades or hard work, social justice, gender or identity. And more and more we see the rise of the idol of self. Confess your sin to God, identify them, but don't do that with guilt. Do that with confidence. Because First John tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so just like Israel, we can come to God confident in confession because God receives us graciously. And we find compassion in Him. And this is the gospel that we proclaim to ourselves, to one another, and to our world. The forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus. And there's no fear. There is no need. There is no place for fear. Instead, it is a place of safety. Because the God that forgives does so with grace and compassion. And he invites people into that place of safety so that they might thrive and grow in his amazing grace and his redeeming love. As the saying goes, actions speak louder than words. I can make all sorts of promises to my kids. I'll play with you when I'm finished with my work. We can watch a movie after dinner. But none of that makes a difference until I actually play with them or sit down with them to watch a movie. And it's no different in any other part of life, whether that's school or work. I'm going to get my assignment done on time. Five weeks later, I'm going to get this job done at work. It's one thing to say you'll do it. It's a whole other thing to actually do it. And throughout the Bible, we are filled with words. And here in Hosea, we hear God speak. Verse 4, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. It will be like the dew. I will be like the dew to Israel. God speaks, but He also acts. He will heal the stubborn, wayward hearts of His people. He will love them freely. He will turn his, away his anger and he will refresh them like dew, like rain in times of drought. God will act. He doesn't simply speak, he acts. And the result, continue in verse 5, they will blossom, they will send down roots and they will grow into a wonderful tree like the great sequoia trees of the Nevada where people will find shade and their fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Lebanon was the Barossa Valley of the Middle East. God's actions will result in safety. In a place where people will thrive and grow. And to be a blessing. To be a shade to the world around them. Where previously they looked for safety and prosperity by depending on political alliances and idols, God alone is the source of their fruitfulness. 750 years or thereabouts after Hosea speaks these words, 
Another man would stand before a crowd of family and friends and quote the words of Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's... And then he responded with these words. Today, this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus stood before a crowd of people under Roman oppression and He spoke of safety, freedom, a place where people might thrive and grow. And just as Jesus spoke, so Jesus will act. He will back up His words here with the greatest demonstration of love. He will go to the cross to secure the eternal safety of each and every person who puts their faith and trust in Him. And right now, He's preparing an eternal place where people will thrive and grow for all time. The church, redeemed by the love of Jesus, is meant to be a beacon, a reflection of all that God has done. To be a place be a home, to be a family where people can thrive and grow in safety. And we do this best when we point people to Jesus. But it needs to be done with more than words. It needs to be done with action. And actions speak louder than words. What do our actions say? as we come to the end of Hosea, what do we do with it all? How do we process the reality of God's wrath and His judgment? We've seen that week after week. But equally, how do we respond to God's redeeming love for His people? Well, Hosea takes a page out of Proverbs and the wisdom of the Scriptures. Verse 9. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Hosea calls his hearers to pay attention. Not simply to gloss it over. He calls them to understand the seriousness of sin. God's judgment but also understand the depths of His love, His redeeming love for His people. The place of safety where people thrive and grow is found in the ways of the Lord. In an earthquake, the best place to be is inside, under a table. The best place to be in a world shaken up by sin and trouble is in Jesus who himself says he is the way and the truth and the life. But likewise, if we fail to ignore the warnings of an earthquake, we might find ourselves stumbling as the ground is shaken beneath us. And if we don't take Jesus seriously, we may find ourselves stumbling through life if we choose to ignore him. To be wise, then, is to recognize sin. 
to see Assyria and the idols, that the things of this world cannot save us. To be discerning is to understand that our redemption and our salvation come through Christ alone. Through Jesus' death and resurrection. Nothing we can do can add or take away from what Jesus did on that cross. The gospel is the wisdom of God. And yet the world views it as foolishness. Paul wrote these words to the Corinthians. But since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. The gospel is foolishness to the world. And yet the wisdom or even the foolishness of God is greater. We see through Hosea that the Israelites make the mistake of trusting their own wisdom. And it led them to their destruction and their judgment. 3,000 years later, not much has changed. The world struggles with the message of the gospel to put their faith and trust in a crucified Savior. I wonder where you sit in all of that. To be wise is to understand and recognize sin. To be discerning is to understand redemption and salvation comes through Christ alone. But that either gives you a path that you can walk on or a bunch of rocks in your way that you stumble over. What might it look like to live in the ways of the Lord? Where is the place of safety where people thrive and grow? Well, on the surface, it is in Jesus. To walk with Him, to live with Him. But what does that mean? It means that Jesus defines life. Whether that's school, whether that's work, whether that's family. And that He shapes and He defines what is good and what is right. And so school is not about grades. It's not about status. It's not about achievement. Instead it is about seeking true wisdom and understanding this world. Work is not a place where you earn material security, or you accomplish great things. But instead it is an opportunity to reflect 
the creativity and the wisdom and the power of God in the little things we do each day. Rather than being driven by fear of man and pleasing people, some promise of security that our work might give. No, Jesus is that place where people can be safe, where people can prosper, where they can thrive, where they can grow. Likewise, our families and our relationships are a poor substitute for the dependence that we can find in Jesus. The eternal and unconditional love of God can't be matched by human relationships. We strive to reflect it, but they're, they're no match. And so depending on people for love, rather than depending on Jesus. And similarly to work, finances, homes, material possessions are a poor substitute for eternal security. They will one day fade. And as I said, we live in a world where increasingly the idol of self is growing more and more. And I don't know about you, but I know where my limits are. We can't reach the heavens as much as we might try. And as much as we have accomplished as humans, and as wonderful and as great as progress is, We remember the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis where man sought to reach the heavens. We can do great things. I'm not denying that. But we also are a poor substitute for God. To live in the way of the Lord, in the ways of the Lord, is to know that He ultimately is not a substitute but the ultimate means to everything we seek. The life that we want to live, the place that we want to be, this safety to thrive and to grow, it's all found in Jesus. And I hope that you will find it in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we hear from your word as we seek to understand it, as we seek wisdom and understanding. Holy Spirit, we ask that you help us. Help us to find life, to find the safety, the life, the success even that we dream of found in you. And Father, as we consider these things, we ask that you continue to act in grace and compassion, not bearing on us a burden that we cannot carry, but in your mercy and in your grace carry us through. 
that we might truly find life. Life that is found in Jesus. And as we find life, help us then to share it with those around us. That they too might find safety, might find refuge, and a place where they can thrive and grow in this life and the next. And we pray all these things for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.